Good evening, everybody. Um, we've been seeing a lot about Jesus um, in the service today, and I've been thinking a lot about Jesus' dealings with us as individuals. And tonight, I'm just going to briefly talk about and read passages when Jesus' dealings with four different individuals. Um, and as I do so, I'm just going to bring out a few points about each of them, but to allow us to think about Jesus dealing with us as individuals as well. So the first one I'm going to read from is John chapter 4, if you have got a Bible with you. Um, the healing of the official son. So it's John chapter 4, starting at verse 43. After two days, Jesus left for Galilee. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he'd done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realised that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. And several points I want to pick out here. Um, the Galileans had obviously heard about Jesus and they'd seen things that he'd done. They'd heard about him turning the water into wine at the wedding and they saw all that he'd done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. But although a lot of them had seen what Jesus had done, you get the impression that none of them had had a real personal encounter with him. And it's the same today. This is the time of the year when most people, if you poke them, would have some vague idea about Jesus and they would vaguely know that he came um, and that he was a baby in the stable, but they've never really had a personal encounter with him. And this is the time of the year when it's probably easier to talk about Jesus than any other time of the year. But how many people in this country alone really have no idea who Jesus really is? But in verse 47 we read um, that the royal official heard that Jesus was near, but he actually did something about it. <coughs> Why did he do something about it? Because he was desperate. You get the impression that because he was a royal official, he was probably very wealthy, he'd probably gone to every doctor he could possibly think of, probably tried every medication known to them in those days, and yet his son was dying, and he was desperate to come to Jesus. And isn't that true very often with us, that we come to Jesus when we are desperate, and when we really want to cry out to him? And Jesus, 
in the first impression seems a bit dismissive really. Um, the official pleaded with Jesus to come and heal his son and then Jesus said, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. But the royal official proved Jesus, his, Jesus wrong in this case really because he ignored what Jesus said and then just said, sir, come down before my child dies. He just kept pleading his case, didn't he? Um, and I just find it amazing that, Je that um, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And this man took Jesus at his word. I mean, what a, what a faith he must have had. Jesus must have had such a sense of authority about him that just by saying, you may go, your son will live, the man took him at his word, turned round and made his way home. Now, we read here, that he made his way home, but it must have been 24 hours before he had any proof of what Jesus said to him was really true, because it was only when he met his servants the following day and uh, he was told that his boy was living. And it was only when he inquired, well, what time was this? And they told him it was this seventh hour yesterday that the man knew that his trust in Jesus actually had proved results. And sometimes that's true for us, isn't it? We can pray about something and yet for a while we've got no real proof that Jesus has either heard us or is answering our prayers. And sometimes we have to just put our trust in Jesus' word to us before we see any outward sign of him having met our need or answered our prayers. But because of this man's testimony, all his household then believed. What a testimony he had. And I think that's a, just a really wonderful ending to the story. The next um, time we see Jesus dealing with somebody individually is actually in the very next chapter. And this is the story of the um, disabled man that Jesus healed at the sheep pool. Just going to read it to you. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, is a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame and the paralysed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I've no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. But later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. 
The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now this is a really different story, isn't it? This man was paralysed. He'd been like this for 38 years. I mean, that's a long time to be disabled and to be sitting by the pool hoping that he might have a cure. And in a way, there's a familiarity sometimes with um, our situations. You know, we may not be paralysed, but sometimes our situations last for a very long time and we become familiar with them and really a sense almost that they will never change. And sometimes we just give up at the thoughts of things changing. And then suddenly Jesus comes into this man's life and Jesus comes up to him and says, do you want to get well? And I like the way that the paralysed man just didn't answer the question, but he actually avoided it and gave an excuse and said, I've got no one to help me into the pool. So when Jesus asked him a question, he didn't answer directly. He didn't say, yes, I really want to get well, but I don't know how to. He just gave an excuse about it. But again, Jesus has this authority about him. When he said, get up, pick up your mat and walk, he did and he was instantly cured. But it's very interesting that this man had no idea who Jesus was. In the first story we talked about, the royal official knew who Jesus was and he knew who to come to. In this story, Jesus comes to the paralysed man because he's got no idea who Jesus is. And note also that when the royal official was told that his son was going to live, to our knowledge, He had no more dealings with Jesus again because Jesus had answered his prayer and sorted out his problem. But with this man that we're reading about, the paralysed man, Jesus had to find him again because the conversation wasn't finished. And Jesus had to come to the man and find him and tell him that although he was cured, he had to stop sinning. Otherwise, something worse would happen to him. Now, we've got no idea what the sin was or the circumstances or anything. But it's really lovely that Jesus never uh, never leaves us half um, sorted, as it were, really. When Jesus wants to have dealings with us, he will have dealings with us thoroughly. And he won't leave things half done. But it made me think... Has Jesus been challenging you about something and you've been making excuses to Jesus? Instead of answering Jesus directly, if if he puts a finger on something in your life and you just know that he's having dealings with you, it's very easy sometimes to come up with excuses or to dismiss it from our minds and think, you know, I'm not going to think about that. But Jesus will pursue you He won't let it go. And I I just really feel tonight that if there's anybody here that they just know that Jesus is putting their finger on something, he wants to deal with something in their lives, it's better just to own up and to answer him directly and to do something about it. This man's life was changed. We have no idea what happened next. And sometimes that's very frustrating when you read the Bible, isn't it? Sometimes you just want to know, well, I wonder what happened next. But we're never told these things. And then the next story I want to just turn to is in Luke chapter 18. And this is the rich ruler. 
I'll just read this passage as well. This is Luke chapter 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honour your father and mother. And the man said, All these things I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, the man became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter, Peter was always one for getting a bit of a dig in, wasn't he? Peter said to him, We've left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. This is a very different encounter that Jesus had with this man. Now the last man had no idea who Jesus was. But this certain ruler knew who Jesus was and he also knew the scriptures and he knew um, what the commandments were as well. And Jesus challenged him intellectually really. And when the man said, well I've kept all of these things and yet Jesus could see into his heart that there was one thing missing. And the missing, um, the missing thing in his heart was that his heart was bound to his um, money and Jesus challenged him on that issue and the man's response was that he went away it was too high a price for him to, to pay and notice that Jesus doesn't say to many of the encounters he had follow me but he wanted this man to follow him and what this man gave up because his heart wasn't in the right place and as I said, it was too big a price to pay for him. And it made me think, where is our hearts? Is God first in our heart? Or are there other things or other people who take precedent over God? But God wants our hearts. He wants to be first in our hearts and in our lives. And that we are then free to follow him. And notice that Jesus didn't chase after him. He didn't run after him and say, please, please follow me. He let him go. And Jesus is the same with us. He will always give us a choice. And the choice is always ours. So if you feel that Jesus is touching your heart and saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to give my, your heart to me. Then respond to that. Because it, is, it, it will be the best thing that you can do. And this man, he lost out because he didn't follow Jesus. And again, we don't know what happened to him. But it obviously gave him a lot of food for thought. And then the final just little story that I just want to bring to you 
is in Luke chapter 8, the story of the demon-possessed man. Um, I wouldn't, I'm not going to read all of it, but um, it's the story where um, Jesus goes to the region of the, the Gerasenes and there is a demon-possessed man there that was living in the tombs. Um, he was naked, nobody could control him. And um, when he saw Jesus coming, um, he was really shouting and screaming, etc. But um, Jesus um, healed him. Uh, verse 33. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and a herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. And this is the, the bit I want to just bring out. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. And again, a real contrast with the last story that we read. Jesus met this um, intellectual uh, ruler, challenged him over his heart and uh, where money took precedent in his heart, but actually said to the man, come and follow me. This man he cured and the man begged to go with Jesus, but he wouldn't let him go with him and told him to go home and tell everybody how much God had done for him and what a testimony he would have had because no doubt he was very well known in that area just because of how, um, how mentally ill he was or how damaged he was, you know, we don't really know the circumstances as such. And he didn't want to go home, he wanted to follow Jesus but he was obedient to what Jesus said to him. Even though it wasn't what he wanted to do, Nevertheless, he obeyed God, he went home and told everybody what Jesus had done for him. So that's just very briefly four different scenarios of Jesus' dealings with individuals. And when we read the Gospels, um, there are so many different stories of Jesus speaking to people individually. We read um, those verses that, um, that said that God loved the whole world, but the world is comprised of individual people. And God deals with us as individual people because he knows each one of us so well. Sometimes we need challenging, sometimes we need comforting, sometimes we need a straight word to us. Jesus deals with us as he knows we are and as he knows our circumstances are. And I like this um, passage, it's in... John chapter 21, it's after Jesus had come back from the dead and he was on the beach with Peter and the other disciples. And Jesus was challenging Peter to love him. And then Jesus was telling Peter what's going to happen to him. In 
um, John chapter 21, he said, Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. Now, hearing that, you sort of get the impression that Jesus wasn't very thrilled about that. And very often, when our lives are not what we think they're going to be, we often look around at other people, don't we, and think, oh, it's all right for them. And Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Lord, he said, um, when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? And I like Jesus' reply. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And very often we can look at other people, can't we? We can look at their, their lives and think sometimes they're much better off than we are. But Jesus is wanting us to look to him. And he's saying to each one of us, you follow me. Never mind about them others. I'll deal with them and I'll sort them out but I want you to follow me. And so we've had this time of communion, which is just an individual response of our love for God, that his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, and it was as individuals that he loved us and died for us. And so I just want to have just a few moments now where we can just be open to God and say, are you trying to say something to me? Uh, have you been trying to say something to me for a while and I've been making excuses or ignoring it? Have Jesus been putting his finger on something in your life that he wants to deal with? Or has he been saying to you, follow me? I know you don't really know me, um, like the, um, the man by the pool didn't really know Jesus and yet Jesus wanted him to follow him.